overall as an industry, I think we're doing very, very well in producing wholesome pork uh, and feeding the world. That said, the KPIs or the benchmarkings, a good uh, reference point that we all have to self-look at and say, okay, this is the industry. How am I doing? Uh, there's going to be a bell-shaped curve. Uh, where do I fit? Are there farms better than I or worse than I? And then what can I do? Do you want to be the first one to know all about the global pork market? On Swine Trends by APC, the latest updates are easily shared with you. We have today with us uh, Dr. Martin Moore, uh, owner of Moore Bet and Moore Bet Research located in Southwest Minnesota. Martin graduated from the University of Minnesota with a BS in Animal Science, Agricultural Economics in 1989, and a Doctor of Veterinary Medicine in 1993. In addition, he recently completed the Swine EVP course at the University of Illinois. Thank you for joining us today as we at APC continue to bring useful information to our customers in the swine industry. This is our sixth podcast in the Swine Trends series. We appreciate all of you who will take the time to view this presentation. And uh, today we're going we're gonna to discuss one of the more highly talked about issues in the swine industry of mortality and how do we truly mitigate mortality on our farms. Dr. Moore, in your, in your bio, I was reading through there, um, pretty impressive. You've, you've grown up in the industry. I know your father had to practice and you've taken it over and uh, I appreciate you continuing on the work in swine health. And um, go ahead and, and uh, share with us today what you do on a daily basis, what you're seeing in the industry and, and we can get started. Sure, thank you, Randy. Um, what's a normal day? Normal day changes, of course, but um, as a consulting veterinarian that also gets involved with some research, um, we we always try to solve the customer's problems. That's number one. And I think if we can do that, we keep moving forward. And so that may be ranging from obviously health issues to diagnose and prescribe and, and uh, um, solve the immediate problem at hand, but then also um, look forward on maximizing production, throughput, um, making sure we're producing a good, wholesome, healthy product for um, uh, the end users really is what uh, we're trying to do. We're trying to feed the world. And um, and so sometimes that spins off into some uh, on-farm research projects that I get involved with that uh, intrigues me because we can learn at a, at a deeper level to, um, to uh, not only see uh, the impact of these potential products, but also um, potentially implement them in the future. So it's kind of exciting. Great. Great. Well, we're going to rely on your experiences today as we we ask you some questions that uh, um, we hear producers uh, as we meet with them share with us. Uh, everybody uh, has experienced some disease for the most part in the last couple of years. It seems to have been really prevalent and, and I believe it's really affected our numbers. Uh, and we see that, I think, of the number of pigs being marketed today. Uh, being less than what it has been in years. Um, also today, we're going to reference some of the numbers uh, that come from the National Pork Board, the MetaFarms data over the last five years. Uh, there are areas that we really haven't shown any improvement in, uh, whether it's pigs weaned per mated female, um, pre-wean mortality seems to have go up, and that's, I think, affecting all of our numbers coming out of the, out of the crates. 
So as we as we look at mortality, it, it seems to be trending upwards. And, and according to those recent data, we haven't made a lot of improvements in, in, in the last five years. And in some areas, we've we've gone back, gone backwards a little bit in number of pigs. What what do you feel are some of the main factors contributing to that? Um, good question. I think um, when we look at the data, uh, it's interesting. You got to step back. My first big picture um, thought is overall as an industry, I think we're doing very, very well in producing wholesome pork uh, and feeding the world. Um, that said, the KPIs or the benchmarkings, a good uh, reference point that we all have to self look at and say, okay, this is the industry. How am I doing? Uh, there's going to be a bell shaped curve. Uh, where do I fit? Um, my, uh, are there farms better than I or worse than I? And then what can I do? Um, because when you look at mortality, let's talk about mortality for a second. Um, yes, mortality trends are increasing over time. Uh, there's probably a variety of factors that lead into that. Um, we need to investigate why there's low mortality and go to those farms and figure out what are they doing right. And on the, on the, on the reverse, you'll go and investigate the high mortality farms and figure out what they're doing wrong. Um, that leads to an average, but if we can learn and figure it out and drill down and, and, and figure that out and get to the details, that's, that's important in, in terms of um, you figuring out for your own farm or operation. Now, you got to be realistic, too, uh, whether it's mortality or if you want to talk about survivability. We'll never have 0% mortality or 100% survivability. Um, in the big picture, I think as an industry as a whole, over the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we've been doing much, much better. When you look at we're, we're, we've moved to exclusive confinement or indoor environmental control production for that, for that matter, versus outdoor, outdoor, indoor types of production. Um, and then I think the other big picture you got to look at is we've moved to all in, all out versus continuous flow and, and eradicated a lot of diseases like pseudorabies and mange and rhinitis and in APP and now even sometimes PERS. But that still doesn't mean we, we can't ignore the trends in the industry and we just need to investigate each of those, um, drill them down accordingly. And there's obviously a variety of contributing factors that are leading to these mortality trends that you referenced here uh, that uh, Metafarms has put together over time. Okay. I was at uh, uh, MPIC this summer up in Wisconsin Dells, and uh, Dr. Paul Yeske, I, I think, uh, was trying to address some of the things you mentioned. We've eradicated diseases uh, over the last 20, 30 years, and uh, we, we've tried to figure out how to live with the ones that we deal with now. And uh, doc, Dr. Yeske had a had a challenge to the industry um, to try to eradicate more of these diseases. Um, do you see? Do you see that happening in the near future, or it's it's obviously going to take some time if we want. We've been trying obviously to eradicate PERS or or live with it. You know that's one that's that's tricky. But there, are, he talked about some other diseases, microplasmas, things like that. We we've had success on some farms. Can we take that industry wide? Um, good question. So my first thought would be is uh, the science is probably there, and if there's a big enough problem, um, the American farmer and the veterinarian. And whoever the industry stakeholder stakeholders will, um, they'll figure it out. Um, 
they'll figure it out, but it's got to make economic sense. And so I think some of these old diseases made economic sense to get rid of. Uh, PERS, of course, makes sense. Can you take it industry-wide? That's going to be tough. Uh, just do the nature in this example, PERS of the virus. Um, yeah, uh, we, we got to continue to get better though. Um, and low disease prevalence or low disease production is, is awesome. Can we eliminate every disease? Probably not. We got to go after the big ones, probably. Keep okay. Well, let's let's break down our production a little bit uh, by area. Let's let's start off uh, looking at some of the sows. Um, in the National Pork Board report, it shows that we really have not made any, made any gains on pigs per sow per year over the last five years. We're, we're currently sitting twenty five point seven four pigs. Per sow per year, and in 2017, we're 25.8. Um, it's kind of a flat line. Why? Why do you think we're working with genetics that have have sows with the ability to have a lot more pigs, uh, but yet we've got factors in there that that are causing us the flat line? Sure. Um, so let's think about pigs per sow per year. Yes, we made great advancements. It's um, it's actually. Um, very rewarding to think there was a time when we used to wean seven, eight, nine pigs. Now we've doubled that. Yep. Isn't that amazing? Yep. We've doubled it. Um, but the other thing I think that we've advanced uh, tremendously on is the productivity. In other words, total born, live born. But the genetic robustness probably has not kept up. In other words, how to um, keep all these pigs alive. Um, we need continual focus and develop on mammary gland development and functional teats and probably the length of the sow to, to be able to nurse and take care of all these pigs. Um, so yes, we're, we're having more pigs total born and live born, um, but we're not saving as many as we would like to save, of course. Um, and so really it goes back to the genetics uh, and working on robustness. I think that's the next uh, frontier that really um, we need really need to, to work on. And unfortunately, some of the uh, lack of grade one quality pigs being weaned off the sows leads to some of these nursery and finishing mortality challenges. We've seen a recent study come out by a major integrator where they're pushing the weaned age up to 24 PSY, or excuse me, 24 days of age for weaning. Uh, we know over in Europe, they go to 28. So I think there's a lot of thought right now of pushing that weaned age, not having a great effect on that sow, Will, will this help us reduce our mortalities as we go forward? And so far, some of the numbers coming through say it, it could. Yeah, definitely. Wean age is everything. And I think if you take a step back, uh, there was a time we weaned younger and, and uh, well, pigs are weaned younger, probably farms are smaller, and we could manage and take care of those smaller pigs. Uh, pigs uh, need to be weaned older. Farms are bigger. Uh, caretaking and all these other issues surrounding um, that are bigger challenges. So that older wean age pig is definitely, um, I believe, one of the keys to success is great performances in in the KPIs, both nursery and finish, um, and or wean to finish. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm definitely on board with that. Okay. Well, as we look, let's look at at sows and, and mortality. We've seen that number trending higher over the last five years. Um, our average sow death right now is about 12.6 on average. Uh, as we look at that, the, the top 10% of producers are averaging about 6.2%. Do 
but that bottom end is 18.1. And I know as as I talk with different systems, they're in that range, right? And and yep. they're trying to get that down. Um, it's talked about a lot on our sow mortality. Um, when you trade in higher productive sows in that third to fifth parity for gilts, we know that's going to affect the overall number. Uh, that one is hard to get a handle on uh, in different situations. Yep. What, why do you think there's such a difference between the top 10% and, and the lower? Sure. Um, and I don't have it in front of me. I think one thing that comes to mind is uh, average parity. Okay. That's one thing we got to think about. I'll back up. On some of these metrics, you got to be a little careful and don't get too focused on the metric and because we also got to think about profitability. So let's talk about profitability and use this uh, sal mortality as an example. Um, parity and profitability are not uh, necessarily synonymous. You can have the ideal parity in that farm and have optimal productivity, but still not be at ideal profitability for a farm. Um, and so my point would be is if you want perfect production, you'd have a young parity farm and you'd cull a lot of gilts or a lot of cull a lot of animals when they're young and, and not deal with older parity sows that tend to have higher stillborns or some mortality issues. And so, but that's the economic balance of the cost of the gilt bringing in the herd and, and maximum productivity. That all said, hopefully there's a sweet spot for the farm to, um, to have a average parity of whatever, two, 2.75, 3.25, three and a half, whatever that number is. And so um, that's one thing I think about. And the second thing I think about is what drives a lot of this. And and let's just remember 2020, um, the the value of a cull sow was literally nothing. And so farms were forced to either receive very little value for their cull sows or not replace. And so these farms go through ebbs and flows of uh, ideal parity structure, which leads to these uh, challenges on sow mortality. Um, I think that's one point I want to make is, is really replacement rate drives sow mortality. And what drives replacement rate is the, the true cost of that gill coming in the farm and what we're willing to trade off, for example. The second thing uh, would be also the... Um, the economic value of that cull sow, which comes and goes and it's creates some challenge. And then the third point would be is um, we ask a lot of our geneticists and we want more robust animals. Some of this mortality, yeah, they're very highly prolific animals. Maybe we don't have the robustness all figured out yet uh, or the selection. You know, we have multiplication. In other words, we create a lot of animals at these um, uh, multipliers, but are we selecting the ones that have the good feet and legs and so on and so forth. And and that's hard. And that dovetails back to labor challenges, people challenges, et cetera. Yep. All good points. And I think that that leads me right into uh the, the summer I was I was at a conference and they were talking about reducing sow mortality and they had done a lot of work at, at an integrated farm. They put teams in there and they 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 tried to identify sows that were having issues, whether it was lameness, whether it was, you know, loss of appetite. And what they what they did was they implemented a higher calling strategy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the results of implementing this higher calling strategy was a reduced sow mortality. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the things I think that's a trade-off 
that that financially we have to be willing to make and in some sense it comes back to labor in the barn being able to identify and treat uh, those sows before they get to a point where they have to be taken out of the herd or mm -hmm. or leave they're not leaving them there till they die yep so on, on that note um following up with that farm example and, and i've seen this over the years which i think is a as a way to think about this is the farms that's just successful to be uh, high producing farms let's call them high producing farms they tend to get in a better position to be able to select call retain and and then not deal with all these headaches versus farms that uh, maybe are diseased or health challenged they the numbers are short numbers are long the ebbs and flows and then inventory decisions drive um, some of the the overall decisions because we may have enough or too many um, and get to the yo-yo effect of sow mortality. So bottom line is it's it's certainly ideal to get to the a place where you're a, what we call a high producing farm and then you have the the luxury to be critical to only retain robust and prolific animals. Okay, good, good, appreciate that. Okay. Um, Right now, one of the questions I had was, we're not seeing any expansion in our industry. We know feed cost is high. There's several factors in there. But but do you believe that some of the sow mortality that we're seeing might be causing some producers to, to back off expansion, thinking they can get a better control of it if they keep their herds at a, at a certain level? Uh, I don't think so. I think the, the okay. you touched base on probably two, two uh, leading causes for no sow expansion. One's the uncertainty unknown of feed costs and two, uh, the cost of capital and construction costs. Yep. Uh, I think that's going to um, hold sow expansion in check. Yep, I tend to agree with you there as well. You bet. So let's let's move over into some of the nurseries. Um, seemingly, as field experience that, that I'm seeing, uh, we can look at average nursery death losses, and we know that there's always outliers from that, but uh, there seems to be uh, different areas of the country that are seeing a lot higher nursery death loss, um, especially over the last year. Uh, sometimes in those cases, are you seeing a combination of diseases that are working together, uh, such as multiple strains of PERS? And, and uh, is that kind of the number one area that's affecting a lot of our pig numbers right now? Sure, good question. So if, if the question is, is health, what health uh, disease is really driving nursery mortality. No question, PERS has and continue to uh, create some real problems. Um, we can deal with influenza from time to time. We can deal with um, um, strep suis from time to time. But PERS, uh, that has really been, um, really been devastating. And some of these uh, new strains have been more virulent than uh, some of the uh, previous strains we had. The other one, uh, that's really surfaced nationally is the E. coli problems, um, which causes high mortality in in um, different stages of uh, the nursery phase. So in summary, PERS and E. coli to me would be the two industry health challenges today leading to high mortality in the nursery phase. I would agree. We, um, you know, over a year and a half, almost two years ago, as we met with clients around the country, we, we would go into meetings expecting to talk about PERS and, and even PEDB, but we're surprised when the conversation was elevated to, to E. coli, mostly the F18 strain. And I know as I work with feed companies around the, the country providing uh, diets in there, several feed companies I work with have 
uh, introduced a diet specifically to combat F-18, uh, mostly in the nursery area, and, and are seeing some success with that, with, with added feed ingredients. Yeah, it's a, a multifactorial disease that uh, usually catches us off guard or by surprise with high mortality, and uh, treatment success is limited, um, and so prevention and uh, mitigation strategies for subsequent groups tends to be where all the focus has to get. Yep. Another thing that we, we, we've noticed, and it's not just in our industry, but no matter where you go, labor seems to be a big issue. Um, and we know, it, we've heard other producers talk as well, you know, when, when we're trying to uh, mitigate our costs on there, you know, they, some producers tell me that if they have the right people in the barn, that can save them 10 bucks a pig. Yeah, but but we all know those people are hard to come by, and and getting the experience. Uh, how big of impact do you think that inexperienced labor has on on mortality in the nurseries? Um, labor has been, um, as with other industries, a huge challenge, no doubt about it. Um, I would say not only labor but animal care training. <laughs> um, it's hard to find qualified, trained um, people that want to interest, enter the agriculture industry, in this example, the swine industry. Uh, we've transitioned a lot away from the family farm type of labor that's had years of experience to now um, caretakers that have no animal care experience. So um, first and foremost, we got to get ahead of that by training because um, you'll just be frustrated about the, the nursery mortality, the finisher mortality, and... and um, a lot of these people, you don't know what they don't know. And so that is huge. Number two, um, I think there's just a tremendous need for the, um, whether it's the family farm or the supervisors or the management team to step up and be leaders and recognize what we need to provide, you know, proper care to our animals, obviously, uh, to minimize mortality because um, it can be financially um, uh, devastating to producers when, some of the, uh, the economic losses associated with people. We may have the right pig going in the barn, but if we can't take care of them, uh, we still lose financially. And so, um, yeah, it's it's huge. It's a huge challenge, and, and we just got to um, uh, keep working at it because it's all about the people. Thanks. I appreciate your response there. I, I guess in kind of wrapping up this nursery phase, uh, as you're out there visiting with, with clients and out in the – Field, do you see do you see some trends, some things that producers are doing that are having a positive impact on that that you could share with us? Um, what are people doing? Um, wean age is one. I think from a, a management decision level, we've had to increase wean age to make nursery people successful. That's one. Number two, focus on feed budgeting, the right feed at the right time, and then number three, focus on uh, the the pigs of need. Uh, so for example, batch farming farms um, or highly prolific farms, we've got at-risk pigs that leave the sow farm at weaning. They need attention if we're going to be successful. Uh, they're, they're a good normal pig. They might be smaller. They might be a pound or two lighter. Uh, they need uh, the sick pen, uh, the, the recovery pen. They need the extra heat sources, things like that, uh, additional feed budgeting to make them successful. And then um, uh, They'll they'll be they'll be uh, quality pigs leaving a nursery if if we focus on those couple three areas. 
Great, so that's great points, things to point out. Uh, appreciate your answer there. So um, as we as we move on, uh, let's look at the, the, the finishing area. And uh, one of the things we, we see here are pigs coming in out of the nursery into the finishers, um, you know, in, in, in good shape. Uh, I was also looking at the, the Metafarms report as I did a calculation. Um, mortality of the nursery was set at 3.79% and the finisher at 4.88. So that's an 8.67% death loss between that combination. But as I looked at wean to finish, uh, those barns average 6.75%. So that mm -hmm. would, would definitely show some advantage for, for wean to, wean to finish. Um, but I can't, I can't think that's all in just moving those pigs after the nursery to the finisher. Um, some of that, that one's a hard one. Uh, let's step back. Wean to finish. I think, uh, one thing to think about is from an all in all out or pig flow strategy, if they go through a disease or they go through a management challenge, um, they get that group of pigs together. They're together for six months. Um, we're done. You know, we've gone through it. The nursery finish model, which is a little challenging. There's so many decisions that lead to stocking density and pig flows and maybe mixing different nurseries that, yeah, it's shocking that we got 4.8% finishing mortality for a combined 8.some percent uh, nursery and finishing mortality together. But don't forget, there's a lot of decisions that get made to fill barns. And to take it a step further, we fill these barns uh, to maximum square footage capacity, you know, so many square feet per pig. Uh, sometimes forget about sick and recovery pens and and we have to live with what we got, which which is a challenge, no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, from a data standpoint, it's hard to really read into that. I think it's from a, a finish only mortality, but um, from a wean to finish mortality, you would think that'd be better representing of what the really industry is. Okay. Um, so, some barns have a challenge. Uh, some genetics are better than others. Getting pigs started on feed when they enter the barns. Mm -hmm. um, have you seen any, any keys to success in that area? Uh, I don't know if there's any magic. It's still back down to, to individual uh, animal caretaker training and implementing and, and getting our job done every day and, and adjusting accordingly uh, to what are those needs are, the pigs are, the environmental changes that go on. Okay. Do you feel, or is, is there any one uh, or two key factors in a finishing standpoint um, that, that, that will spike disease levels? Um, I know this time of year, everybody's pumping out pits. Uh, we have weather yep. changes coming on, ventilation. Uh, how, do, how do you manage through some of those some of those situations? Well, uh, it's finally cold in Minnesota today. It's uh, below freezing and it's stay cold. Actually, that's a good thing. Um, this fall has been brutal in terms of uh, swine influenza and PERS uh, respiratory disease associated uh, in the finisher uh, because it's been nice and warm. It's been a beautiful fall. Uh, it might be 70, 75 degrees uh, during the day and 35 at night and, and a, a curtain-sided, double curtain-sided building. That's been tough. There's just been way too much air blowing on these pigs leading to uh, chronic respiratory disease due to, um, due to weather. It's been good for us as humans. It's been really tough on a lot of pigs in Minnesota 
for example, uh, this fall. So that's really been a big challenge. Hopefully now with steady, cool temperatures, we'll be able to ventilate these barns uh, on a steady manner. Yeah, I think it's just an example. There, there are some things, no matter the type of facilities we have, it's hard to control everything. Yes, it and, is. Uh, you know, you, 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 like today here in Iowa, I'm in Western Iowa and it's, it's cold today, but we've got, you know, 20, 25 mile an hour wind you know, which really drives the windshield factor down. And, you know, two days ago we were 70 degrees and humid. So, yeah. you know, from a livestock stock perspective, that's that's a hard adjustment. It's um, hard and, and everybody's got to be on their A game because it is hard. It's every day it's different. And yeah. sometimes it's hard to teach, uh, but hopefully with experience and, and if people learn from their past and, and, and work with livestock every day, um, they can they can uh, rise to the challenges and just adjust. Right. Okay. As I look at at finishing mortality over the years, I've I've always kind of broken into into two parts. Right. Do I have early finishing mortality or do I have late finishing mortality? And and from an economic standpoint, the late finishing mortality is has has sometimes gotten a lot more focused because that's where it really hits you hits you in the pocketbook. You've got everything invested in those pigs. Are you seeing any trends? Do we see more early, more late with some of these diseases? Yeah, good question. Uh, I think of girl finish mortality in two ways, um, respiratory associated and GI associated. And I think it, you, you have a good point, is it early or late? I would say we tend to see more early respiratory associated mortality or disease and late finishing gut related. And 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 so uh, from a disease standpoint, whether it's a nursery finish or a wean to finish um, uh, barn, uh, that late nurse, early finish, we, we're still struggling with some of those res respiratory pathogens and we need to treat and whether it's individually or herd wise, uh, focus on that. And then the late watch for uh, gut associated disease, whether we can control or not. You know, the HBSs are hard to control. They're eating a lot of feed. For example, number two, they're on new crop corn now all of a sudden, so they're engorging a lot of feed. Um, and ileitis still is an issue late finish. And so um, we still got to focus on that. Um, so in summary, respiratory disease early, uh, gut associated hemorrhagic bowel or ileitis disease related late uh, tends to still be the, the growth, growth finish challenges that I see. Okay. Have you seen any any treatments, anything new in in dealing with those that that producers are gravitating towards? Sure. Um, good question. Uh, big picture, um, the VFDs came along and we took a lot of antibiotics out of feed, which is the judicious and right thing to do. I get that. Um, based on pig health and especially PERS, we've had to put some feed antibiotics back in to to help because I don't think we can get enough uh, individual care because of labor uh, to some of these pigs to reduce uh, growth finish mortality. Number two, uh, strategic timing of the, the right medication uh, in the water. Because uh, there's an old saying, you need the right drug at the right time um, um, for the right pig. And so with our labor challenges, that gets tough again. So bottom line, um, what can we do? We've got to just identify pigs and get them in the, the appropriate uh, treatment and recovery pen. And number two, um, putting more pulses of, of feed feed grade antibiotics back in is helping for the big picture to to basically treat some subclinical disease to keep our mortality in check. 
Okay. Good. Good. And yeah, I, it's interesting with the VFDs. They're they're going to be expanding on that um, as well for injectables, not just feed grade. Um, is it, what impact do you think that's going to have on on the treatments? I don't know. Um, it will be a lot of administrative work. I'm not sure if we can get all done. Um, we've got to leave some of that decision making back at the local level, at the barn level, or at the the company level, the farm level. Um, People are trying to do the right thing. I don't think we can overregulate all that. Um, people are trying to do the right thing. It's just, do we get, it, do we choose the right thing at the right time, um, so that we minimize disease and and um, the impacts of? Okay, I agree. I agree. Good. It's going to be interesting to see how that develops. But it's, you're yeah. right, it's just another regulatory issue that we all have to deal with. Um, okay. So, so is there anything, I think from a health management, we look at all the different tools, uh, whether it's antibiotics or, or nutrition coming into there. Um, as we think back, we're, we're seeing some diseases that we're battling now that we've been battling for 20 years or didn't used to battle, you know, a long time, some, some APPs or whatever. Are we missing some tools in the toolbox right now? Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's ongoing. You got to just keep looking and working um, at the health status of a farm or a system. Um, it's dynamic. It's biology. It's going to change. It changes by year, it changes by season, it changes by disease. Um, and then going back to, um, it's, it's a lot easier to eradicate and not have that problem. I'm not sure if that's realistic. And so um, Veterinarians have a great role. Feed people have a great role. The uh, managers have a great role to everybody work together on a team to keep looking, watching, managing, and making decisions. So I don't know if there's any silver bullet um, at this okay. point. As we look at uh, uh, things, our industry has spent uh, a lot of time, energy, expense, implementing biosecurity and biosecurity protocols uh, going into the farms. Um, I was shocked. I actually rode with a colleague a couple of weeks ago and we were visiting dairies, you know, and it was one wide at one right after another. And, you know, nobody's around. You walk in until you find somebody. And I, I look at him and I'm like, man, you're lucky you don't work in the swine industry. You'd have been shot by now. Right. Uh, yeah. So we, 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 we've spent a lot of time implementing biosecurity, trying to keep our pigs safe. You know, it's people movement, it's it's implementation of, of disinfecting products coming into the farm. And and now we're seeing we're seeing more attention paid to to feed biosecurity ingredients coming along there. We we've got a long ways to go to that, but what what uh, techniques are you seeing producers implement sure. implement in that area? Sure. Um, biosecurity, big picture. I think it's a case by case situation. There's a cost to implement and there's a cost not to implement. And so there's many layers that you may implement uh, as a safety net um, from shower and shower out to, to all the way to feed mitigants, for example. So um, one other point I want to make to me, biosecurity, there's two big um, risks that we always got to focus on it's pigs and transportation pigs wise pigs because pigs transmit diseases okay that doesn't mean we're moving all these we're moving all these pigs all over the country that's what i mean by pigs uh they move it's crazy how many pigs are moving on trucks every day whether it's market trade market trailers or wean pigs or feeder pigs okay so pigs and so you have area spread and so on and so forth 
So you got to think about biosecurity that way. Number two, transportation. Why transportation? Because it's very hard. It's very hard to disinfect and implement at the at the farm level and at the um, at the slaughterhouse level. And so um, we don't have enough designated trucks, trailers, and truck washes. Um, and number two, the 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 packing house is a big assimilation of a lot of pigs, both healthy and unhealthy, and I think where the rubber hits the road is, is these market trucks are going every single day. That's how they make their money. Yep. Um, we can't let them sit. And so that piece is really, really hard in terms of dealing with, with biosecurity. Now, feed mitigants, that's what you're touching base on. Where does that play a role? I think that's one layer. Um, I think you need to focus on, or one needs to focus on um, the pathogen. And, and that's fine. And not have it in the feed, that's great. But... And there, there needs to be a lot of research done on feed manufacturing. I'm not convinced it's a big deal. Can it happen? Yes. Um, but we got to look at many levels, at the, the ingredient manufacturing level, the feed itself manufacturing level, i.e. the feed mill, or at the barn level, um, the feed bin level, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and how we're, we're handling and managing feed. So our feed mitigants, uh, do they have a role? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people using them. Not really. Uh, they add expense, and I'm not sure everybody's convinced they work. And how do you know? Um, how do you know? You know, it's there. There um, is it all working? Or do we have no health challenges because we have feed mitigants, or are there other um, um, biosecurity measures or layers we put in to minimize whatever we're trying to to minimize? And I think this is an area that we're we're, we're just uh, starting to see different techniques in floor. I know as as a feed ingredient supplier ourselves, mm. uh, we 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 have producers that that buy our products, bring them directly into their mills. We have other producers that want to warehouse them for thirty days. Some want to warehouse them for sixty days, and, mm -hmm. and you can take a lot of steps on that. But but as you mentioned before, then that product's going to go to a mill right? Mm -hmm. The risk of contamination at the mill, and if not the mill, the feed truck that's actually delivering it out to the farms, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of steps in that process that, that yes. have to be secure uh, in order to truly think that you're, you're, you're securing your feed supply. Yeah, a lot of critical control points, kind of like going back to the old PQA book. There's a lot of steps along the way from start to finish. Um, the, the, wisdom or the the trick and whole thing is figure out what's the most important one and right. and maybe there's more research maybe there's more than i am aware of but that's where we got to focus on because i'm not sure we can cover every single step of the way and maybe we can't afford it either yeah right and i and i think it it you know what works in one operation you know based on economy of scale is totally out of the picture for somebody else they they, they don't right. have that ability to warehouse feed or you know, so so I think each farm has to do what they can do to protect themselves sure. yeah. on yep. on their level, and and again, there's there's a cost involved with some of that as well. Yeah, we need we need to recognize all these risk factors. Absolutely, um, I'm not sure we still have to rank them and focus on the ones we can control. In other words, uh, let's use this for example. I'm not sure we should worry about feed if we haven't got transportation under control. You know, let's go for the big smoking guns first and then work on the fine details later. But if you've got transportation under great control, yeah, then maybe feed ingredients and feed mitigants is important to you. And that's okay. Yeah, I think that's a good point.
think it's a good point. We we can only control so much. We have to figure out what works best for us to do it. So, um, Dr. Moore, any uh, as, as we look at um, health overall mitigations, we've 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 covered a broad area. Um, is is there anything else that you would like to to address with us or 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 make a statement about? Oh, I can't think of any. I think this has been good. It's kind of been a, a variety of subjects to touch on, and and I guess if people have more questions, we can. We can explore uh, explore another conversation, I guess. You bet. That's good. Good. Well, I, I hopefully uh, everybody that's that's watching us to this point has has found something that they can grasp a hold of and say, you know, maybe we need to look harder at this area. Uh, maybe we need to do a better job in this area. And and that's the whole point of of our our podcast here is just to bring practical application to mm -hmm. producers of all sizes throughout our whole industry and. And uh, Dr. Moore, we really appreciate you joining us today as our guest. Um, your insights have been uh, very uh, useful, um, practical information that that hopefully people can take and run with. Um, we at APC feel it's really important to share this information uh, from experts like you, people that are out in the field, uh, working with producers, doing the job every day. Uh, we think it's very important to, to have that information out there for producers to access. And um, we want to thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, sure. Pleasure to ask me to do this. It's been fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And if people have questions, they can access you at your website um, at Morvet. I was looking on your website and that was uh, yep. interesting to see the different things you're involved with. Yeah, or we're trying, we keep learning every day. There's, it's always fun around here. So if anybody has questions, you could drop us a note at APC or, or Dr. Marty Moore. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you.